What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. We just interviewed the absolute productivity king of the world, David Allen. <laughs> Mate, we did his book, Getting Things Done. Very well-known book. It's uh, it's absolute, it's a weapon. It's a textbook. It's literally everything you need in here to seriously revolutionize your productivity and efficiency. Mate, you probably know, he probably doesn't need any more of an introduction. Yeah. You should know him, if not, by the yeah. book. <laughs> by awesome. the book. Uh, Mate, he said, he said at one point he questioned whether the three of us had made the right decision in talking, but he, I think we did in the end, yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> Here he uh, is. Dave O. You know, there was no, there was no big problem, you know, as I perceived it at the time. There was more of an interest in... Um, freedom and how do you get a clear head you know and so I was really in the midst of exploring a whole lot of sort of self-development technology methodologies and personal growth stuff and uh, then also started my own consulting practice and had a great mentor who walked me through a couple of the techniques that are still core to GTD like the mind sweep getting stuff out of your head and deciding next actions on all that stuff and he walked me through the process. I thought I had my act together pretty well until he got a hold of me and had me do that exercise. And I went, holy geez, whoa, this was really far out. So it was more like it was more like I got stoned from the, the technique. It wasn't, wasn't like I had to do this. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. But not only not only was it a great experience, but it also then made it much more much more um, effective in terms of, of focus and the ability to focus. So I began you know, exploring these techniques for myself and then turned around and started using it with my clients and it turns out it created exactly the same experience. Nice. More control, focus, more space, more clarity. Yeah. And no matter who they were or what they were doing or what business they were in, uh, everybody could use more control and more focus and more clarity, right? Yeah. How they nice. used it was up to them. So. Uh, I began to discover just the power of this process that mm -hmm. without exception, anybody got stuff out of their head, decided what it meant, decided the next actions, if there were any, um, and parked them in some sort of a trusted system hmm. that it produced exactly the same result. And, you know, clarity and focus and, and, and control are really the, the essential aspects of self-management. Yeah. And so what everybody wanted back then, and this was, you know, in the early 80s, that was when time management started to be quite a popular thing, and all the, the paper planners started coming out, and, you know, that was a, a, a big idea. Of course, you can't manage time, uh, <clears throat> but what people, what people needed when they said, I could use better time management was just more control and more focus and more clarity and more space. Nice. So it turned out that what I was doing solved the, those issues, mm. uh, and so, you know, I rode the the, the the time management wagon in the corporate training world simply because once people tasted this they go God that's really what we needed yes yeah, it's nice. almost like you've uh, you've sold them what they they want they think they want time management but it really leads to all those other things you said of the the control the clarity the focus and yeah mm -hmm. fantastic yeah yeah nice so you mentioned um, what time management used to be like so can you just tell us a, a little bit about what it used to be like. And uh, also a bit about your system and how it's different to what time management used to be and how it's evolved. 
Well, when I first started doing this, I mean, if you even had a pocket day timer, you were a geek. <laughs> so, you know, the first obviously was a calendar and the pocket calendar in the U.S. anyway, day timer was the first, you know, what was quite popular. Day timer was actually built and designed by an attorney uh, because there's 15 minute increments. And that's how we build time. Mm. So, you know, it was it started out as just a tool for an attorney to keep track of billable hours. Mm. Uh, and but then obviously calendars, as people started to have busier lives, became, you know, pretty important thing to have. I mean, I don't know how long they've been around, but, you know, probably 3000 years or so. I know, so, so and, uh, you know, they're down to six minute billable hours now. <laughs> <from 15. laughs> <Really>? <laughs> anyway, that <clears throat> and, you know, even then, just a, just a, even having a to do list was kind of advanced. Uh, at that point. But then, you know, as the world was getting more and more complex, uh, <clears throat> people started to try to organize more just with a to-do list and a calendar, and they started to put a lot of their to-dos on their calendar. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work, especially, <laughs> if, you know, because, you know, things change a whole lot. So, <clears throat> you know, initially I've discovered um, that the calendar really needs to be sort of sacred territory for the things mm-hmm. that you don't want to miss, you can't miss, that the stuff that has to get done that day, uh, you know, sometime on that day or or sometime that day, and that if you part, start to put other stuff on there, you could screw that up really bad, and miss the stuff that you really had to get done, and then also feel bad about all the stuff that you didn't mm-hmm. get done that you wrote on your calendar. So, it, quite simple little change was getting rid of the daily to do list, and creating a total life to do list, which you didn't have to keep rewriting. And then hold that up against your calendar. So in the early days, it was just a very simple little change like that. Um, <clears throat> but then what happened, uh, you know, as I began to develop uh, and test this out further, uh, seeing how useful um, having a lot of support or collateral data, f- you know, portably for you. And that was when, you know, when I first got into this game, we <clears throat> we actually designed our own planner and then discovered. Um, the really elegant one out of uh, Denmark, Time System. They, ha- they called it Time Design in the U.S. And, and I, I, me and a partner, and I got the rights to distribute that in the U.S., had it translated into English. Very elegant system. Because back then, people didn't have a system. The mm-hmm. pocket calendar was about it. And so when I started to do training around this, uh, we wanted to give people a tool because there weren't any tools. And so <clears throat> that tool was so elegant it became a self-management kind of notebook and it was organized very elegantly so you had a calendar and you had places to have these different kind of action lists but it also had a data bank which was a 10 section uh, part of the center part of the book that was different colored and numbered 1 through 10 and it had just an index a blank index 1 through 10 that you just filled out yourself hmm. oh wow that's cool <laughs> so that you you know so you could start to keep track of hmm. various kinds of things project notes uh, you could start to organize checklists. Uh, you could you know, have maps. You could. There's all kinds of stuff that that started to be really cool, especially when it was a cool tool like that, uh, and was elegant graphically. Uh, then, of course, when the, the 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 world changed, when things like the 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 Palm Pilot came out, uh, because up until that point, I could honestly tell people that this is absolutely the best tool they could use. I used that tool for 18 years myself. It was absolutely cool. But as soon as the Palm came out, I went, wow, here's another kind of a way to manage lists that's really cool and has a lot of advantages to that, much smaller. And 
and it was sexy. You know, it was really cool. You, you pull it out in a dark bar, and you could see that little light, and, and <laughs> learning to do the learning, learning to do the little script stuff, writing on it. And it, it was very cool, and it very much fit with with my model. So I could not honestly say there was any one tool that was the best tool. And so at that point, I gave up and gave up a lot of revenue too. Uh, tying the methodology to a specific tool mm-hmm. and just getting people focused on the methodology because people got all wrapped around the tool as they usually do uh, yeah. and instead of the methodology itself for sure so that, back yeah that was like, back in back in the late 80s or early 90s when that whenever I forget when the palm came out but you know it was around that time I unhooked from any tool Mm-hmm. And you know, then had the challenge to just turn people on to the methodology and had it be tool independent. Yeah, nice. So just on the uh, the methodology, I think we've got a good taste as to some of the reasons why we should be doing it. And the first, I guess, the first big step that you mentioned was that big mind sweep of getting getting everything out of your mind and and uh, that that big the capture phase. Yep. And can you tell yeah, that's us the through, first thing? Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess that's how just... we uh, how we get everything out of our head. Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what is that uh, that process I mean, look like? Duh, I guess? duh. It looks like <laughs> oh, I I need cat food. You write cat food. Yeah. You know, I uh, I need a life. You write life. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I need to call George. Write George. Call George. You know, mm-hmm. it's just get it down. Whatever's got whatever's on your mind. Yeah, and so that's literally everything. Yeah. And, well. Not everything. You have fifty thousand thoughts a day, so you're mm. not seeing me write anything right now. I'm just grazing. <laughs> but if you said, "Hey, David, would you get back to me about that?" and I said, "Yes, that I'd better write down," because uh-huh. now I've, now I've opened a loop that I can't finish the mm. moment that I think of it, and then if I don't write it down, there's a subliminal part of me that starts to keep track of it and starts to gnaw at me. Nice. Only I forgot what it was consciously. I just created the pressure of this open loop. And then people walk around with this sort of gnawing sense of anxiety that they there's probably stuff they should be doing, forgot what the hell it was, might be more important than whatever they're currently doing. So most people just aren't present anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You know, because because a, of all that stuff. Yeah. That's an, probably one of the most ironic things about reading a book on productivity. It's, I guess, at the core of it, it's being more zen and more more present with all the work we do as well. So we can just enjoy the time when we're not necessarily working. So yeah, that, well, Zen just came up with the same answers I did. So you know, <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. I, like, hey, well, so, you're 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 much more effective if you're present. Can you do you think you can have too many too many projects? You mentioned you got fifty thousand thoughts a day, and if we capture so much in our in basket, can you get to the point where we got too much in in the system, or or do you think we can get we should get down as much as we can? Well, as I say, if you're gonna if you're going to give people a a great a holiday party and and food and a big banquet and whatever and you sit down and plan that with your partner and you guys going to be great or whatever where do you go shop for food you don't go to the local 711 you know uh, bar you know thing on the corner yeah. where do you mm-hmm. go you go to a huge supermarket that has lots of choices and options well you'll find the best stuff right so i'd worry if you only had six things on your list they'd all mm-hmm. be they all may be crap <laughs> give yourself Give yourself two hundred, and then you know, look, and then if you decide to have a beer instead of doing any of that, it's good beer. Yeah, because look, because look at how many things it's better than. Now I know that's I'm making it sound a little silly, <clears throat> but the 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 only time there would be too much, <clears throat> sorry, the only time there would be too much is is if you've got so much in so many different places that you can't review the whole gestalt very easily. Mm-hmm. That's when you're in trouble. But that's 
you're in trouble with 12 things if that's what's going on. Yes. You know, uh, so it's just that if you have 200, well, quite frankly, if you're actually keeping track of those 200, <clears throat> you'll be fine. I mean, you, you, you never get rid of the, the challenge to be making good choices about what to do. So it's one of those is a glass half full or half empty. You either you guys either feel really good that talking to me right now is exactly what you need to be doing in your yes, life right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's up to you. Uh, you know, or you're feeling crappy about all the other stuff you should get to. Won't this guy David get off the get off Skype so I can go do the stuff I really ought to be doing instead? So the the latter one, you're gonna be in stress. Yeah, for sure. The formal one, you feel confident doing what you're doing. But you guys probably looked at all the other stuff in your life and said, no, this is it. Mm, and yeah. we, 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 all, all three of us may have made a mistake. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we'll be present with our mistake. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, we talked, so we uh, read the book and we, we, tried, we did our best, I guess, to try and dissect it in a, in a 20, 25-minute episode between us. But one of the things we... We, we certainly recommend people read it for themselves because there's a lot in there that we miss. But one of the big things we wanted you to maybe talk a bit more about was the, the weekly review, I guess. What, what's our re- what does our weekly review look like and, and what do we need to do off the back of that? Yeah, well, it just means, you know, once a week, you know, most people usually do it at the end of their work week, you know. Uh, you need to blow the whistle, time out, close the door, shut down social media, um, stop pinging email and you know and and dancing around the web, and sit down and and as I say, pull up the rear guard. You need to catch up, and get clear, get current, uh, you know, with all of your stuff. It's a little hard to do that if you haven't you know implemented at least to some degree the getting things done methodology, where this stuff is out of your head and already in some sort of a system that you can then you look at and catch up with. If you're just trying to catch up in your head, good luck. Your head's just a, such a crappy office. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah, it, it wouldn't hurt to st- stop and say, think, gee, what am I missing? What happened this week? What do I need to do about any of that? Look at the next week or two coming toward you and go, oh, God, that reminds me. Catch all the OSs, yeah. you know, of that, you know. Um, and that that's, you know, it's that simple kind of just take a breath and catch up uh, that most people – are not doing, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, no, but again, most people most people don't even have the system to catch up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. uh, um, it, it it very much ties into it. But it is the it is basically the health factor. Once you start to implement this methodology, if you're not doing the weekly review, you'll fall off this game pretty fast. Yeah, because it soon as soon as your system gets out of date and incomplete, it, it's not worth the trouble to keep it up. Yeah, no. Awesome. And so you, you can fall off. The good news is it's easy to get back on, but it's very easy to, until this becomes really habitual as a as a lifestyle way that you just manage yourself you know it's really an art of how you manage the flow of life's work but catching that that's externalized now and that your head's a crappy office four things max is all that your head can take care of and manage by mm-hmm. itself until you lose perspective and then are not remembering and reminding yourself of the right stuff and so Building the external brain just becomes this absolutely critical behavior, mm. uh, and and then keeping it alive and well, you know it has to you have to nurture it, yeah. and that's what the week that's what the re- weekly review is about. Nice. So in the book, you, I guess we we talk about how to do things very productively and all that all of that, but you also talk about um, rising vertically from the horizon three, horizon four, and horizon five. So what what do you think? 
uh, is the best way of choosing what to do in your life or what or how do you um, I guess filter things to, to choose what to do or what projects to take on well you know ultimately the priorities would be the horizons commitments that you've got I mean you know getting things done what do you need to get done well you need to fulfill your life purpose you need to move forward on whatever vision you have about career and lifestyle you need to then you know, make sure that you're getting done the stuff in the shorter term that needs to get done if you actually want your vision to happen. Mm-hmm. You need to then make sure that you're maintaining all the stuff to be healthy and to maintain balance like finances and relationships and fun and health and vitality and all that. You also then need to manage all the projects that you have about any of any of the above, which is 30 to 100 things usually. And then you've got about 100 to two, 150 to 220 next actions about all those moving parts. Mm-hmm. Emails to send, stuff to buy at the store, stuff to talk to your partner about you know yana yana so all those things are what people need to be getting done how conscious they are of those various levels is up to them and maybe you don't need to set goals paul mccartney said he never set a goal never had a plan he did okay okay. you know so so gtd this methodology is not about telling you you should do those it's about you getting to recognize whether you've got those going on and if so you better objectify them Otherwise, some part of you is going to feel uncomfortable that you're off track, that you're off purpose, that you're off out of alignment or something. Mm-hmm. But again, this, this methodology is so, in a sense, independent of the content. It's more about, are you clear? You want to know? You know my, I, I've got a pretty simple <laughs> criteria for priorities. It's called, what's most on my mind right now that would feel the best if I got it off my mind? Mm-hmm. And that could be play with the dog. It could be write a business plan. It could be write a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, fantastic. What about the people? I feel like there's a bit of almost uh, pride or a bit of uh, identity in being busy and working. Oh, I'm so busy. I've got so many meetings. I've got so much on my plate. I've got so much to do. It, does it scare these people to think maybe they could just organize it all? Then they're not busy anymore. Yeah, that probably freaks them out at some level. <laughs> do you think there is that? No, that well, it's, of- no it's, you know, it's not consciously. It's a very uncomfortable place, mm-hmm. meaning unfamiliar place to have actually nothing on your mind. And to feel and to still have all the responsibilities and accountabilities that you have if you have a complex life. Mm-hmm. So it's a very unusual place. That's why, you know, the biggest barrier of, of entry to this methodology and the biggest reason people fall off is that their addiction to stress. Mm-hmm. Willingness to tolerate not doing this. The willingness to tolerate the, the anxiety, the, the, the stress, the pressure. Um, and... You know, it takes a couple of years to start to raise the bar internally so that you feel uncomfortable if you don't do a weekly review. Mm, nice. You feel well, uncomfortable making a commitment and not writing it down. Yeah, nice. But, so how do, you, how do you think we install these, these habits? Because it's, it's a big system and it's going to be, you know, life-changing if people implement it. Uh, but installing the habit can be probably the hardest part for, for some people. Yeah, get started just one step at a time just do a piece of it i mean this is not running with scissors guys there's nothing that that this <laughs> that, that you could do here that doesn't not going to help yes if you just write three more three more things down than you have before you'll feel better you'll yeah. sleep better you know if you just decide the next action on something just one thing before the pressure forces you to you'll feel better yeah. you know you start to focus on some larger outcome that you want to accomplish and decide you know how you move forward on that you'll feel better so None of this stuff is going to hurt. 
So you can, you know, people say, well, how long does it take to get the value of this? I say, well, how long would it take to write the top 10 things on your mind right now down and decide the next action on those? That's about how long it'll take. Give yourself about 60 seconds and just do these behaviors and watch what happens. But if you're talking about how do you make that consistent and how do I build a systematic process that I trust that I'm doing even when I don't feel like doing it, you know, it takes a year or two Mm. to make that happen. You just have to keep going, you know, keep chunking at it, keep working at it. You know, it's if you start to build in the weekly review and get a cool tool that you like using, those are good keys. So, you know, you you find that you like paper planner, get a cool one. Yeah. You like digital app, <laughs> digital apps. You know, and there are hundreds of them out there now that are just list managers. But you find one that's cool that 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 you love, or you're you're already using something like that, and you can start using it using the GTD methodology. That's one mm-hmm. of the reasons my stuff hits such a nerve in the tech community because. It allowed all the techies to use whatever they were currently using, but in a much more effective way. Mm-hmm. Nice. Why don't we, whether that was Outlook or Excel or Word or anything anybody was using that was digitally, once you caught uh, the list, the power of, of lists, not just lists themselves, but the, the right lists you know, with the right content on them, then those tools started to be turbocharged. Yeah, nice. Why aren't we taught this uh, you know, in school or in college or anywhere before Unless we seek out your book, we wouldn't have found out these, you know, these time management systems. How come we not taught this earlier? Beats me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the. Oh come on! Well, you know, most most. Why didn't Why didn't people start doing any of this stuff other than calendars and to do list? You know, that was only you know three or four decades ago. Yeah. You know, in the in the history of work and the history of how we manage work, that's quite a short period of time. Yeah. Mm. What do you see some of the most uh, common mistakes people make with their own time management system or their productivity system or whatever they have? It's incomplete. Mm. It's not everything. They just wrote down the most important stuff. And then when they go do something that they need to do that's not one of those most important things, they're feeling guilty. Yeah. As opposed to, no, here's the 300 things that I've got mm-hmm. that I need to do. Mm. You know, Buy dog food. Well, that's not the most strategic thing in my life. You have a dog? Yeah. Do you love your dog? Yeah. yeah. Uh, at some point, you'll find that getting dog food is probably yeah. <laughs> going to be the most important thing you need to do. Yeah. You know, you could go, well, why do you have a dog? Well, because she opens my heart when I show up and walk in the door, and she mm-hmm. wags her tail, and she loves me, and she licks me. Yeah. I love that, and it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy all day, even though I had a bad day. Well, great. What? How important is that? That's really key to me to feel better because then I don't kick the dog, I don't kick my wife, I don't kick anything. You know, I'm a much better person because my heart's open. So mm. you, you could take something as simple as dog food and track it back up the horizon. Called why does that matter to you? Mm. And at some point, that is the most important thing. That's why I'm setting priorities all the time. You can't stop. You anything you decide to do, you decided as a priority to do instead of all the other things you could be doing. Yeah. So you're, you're making priority decisions all the time. So again, it comes back to the challenge because most people want a simple formula to get themselves off the hook to be accountable moment to moment, to be doing exactly what they ought to be doing that moment. Yeah, so nice. That's, that's, I guess, the Zins aspect of mm-hmm. this methodology, which is the, the reason you, you need to manage all the stuff that's not that important is because it's not that important, but you mm-hmm. still got to do it. And if it's you know if you don't give appropriate attention to what has your attention, it'll take more of your attention than it deserves. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that I need dog food pops into your head more than once means you're inappropriately engaged with your dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. Right? 
And for the people listening who, who are after the, the easy tool and the quick fix, what, what do you think is the one takeaway that I guess is the easiest action to get the most, most results from, from the whole book, do you think? Well, it's kind of hard to nail one because if you do one without two or three of the others, then it's kind of hard to do. It's really a three-step process is the, the basic, you know, capture the stuff, decide next actions and outcomes if it's actionable at all, and then park the stuff someplace that you're reminded of it in the right way. Mm. You know, so it's it's the capture, clarify, and organize those those three steps of the five that I elucidate that are the most critical just in terms of behaviors themselves. Mm. Yeah, so, for me, it's that, that next action, and then also the the two minute rule is a big one as well. If it's less than two minutes, just just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's changed that's changed people's lives. Just that. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. I definitely agree with that one. In terms of. Uh, Obviously, we love reading your book, and we're doing we're reading a book a week. Uh, I can see a, a stack of books behind you there. What are some of your favorite books and, and books that you'd recommend for people to read? Uh, two come to mind. Uh, one is uh, Kevin Kelly's book, The Inevitable. Uh, came out last year, I think. Nice. He, he was a founding editor of Wired, and it's the twelve the twelve inevitable trends that are happening that are affecting everyone. And he's you know he's basically curated. You know the last 20 years of his experience in the tech world, saying you know things like AI and and uh, virtual reality, those are no long, those are no longer toys. They're going to yeah, change the sure. world. We're actually so speaking he's, with uh, Kevin Kelly soon. Oh, good, cool. Yeah, well, that's it's a great book. Um, and the fix. the fix, the fix is a great book. Um, I haven't heard of it. It's yeah, look it up. Uh, I can't remember the author's name. He's a really, really excellent writer and a journalist in, in, for the New Yorker, I think, in, in, in the States. But he re- he's written, I think, about the 10 things that have actually been fixed that are some of the biggest problems we're dealing with in the world right now. And he gives real case studies of the politicians that had the guts to do what they needed to do to affect them, things like immigration. You know, yeah. the Canadians got that nailed really, really well. Uh, corruption, Singapore got that nailed really well. Um, even the have and have nots, even though the guy's in jail now, you know, the, the, the guy in Brazil, you know, who basically instituted a lot of those kind of programs. So he's, the fix is really sort of a, a cautiously optimistic book that it's actually possible to start to deal with some of these things, yeah. you know, that, that seem, that seem incorrigible right now. So highly recommend that. Yeah. So uh, I guess there's, um, there's two points there. So with, I guess the technology moving forward and some of the issues that we've got, going forward as well. Are you actually an, an optimist when you've got technology moving the way it is and then and then we've got other issues in the world like global warming and the world economy and, and all that kind of stuff coming? Are you, are you optimistic for what's what's ahead for the world? Um, <laughs> well, I don't think we've ever had any less problems than we have right now. I just think we're much more conscious of them. You know, and the the nervous system on the planet has just gotten so wired that you know you you'll know something immediately that happened across the world, right? So that's kind of new is how much of that stuff there is going on. But trust me, <laughs> all that stuff's been going on yeah. you know forever anyway. So we just weren't that aware of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think about pessimism and optimism. I just keep going forward. See, my my mission basically is to get the world to be a place with no problems, only projects. Mm-hmm. So so. You know, so you've got that issue. Great. What's what would what would solved look like? What would resolved or clarified look like? And getting the world to start to get in the driver's seat of these things, as opposed to play victim about these things that are problems, doesn't mean it's easy. You actually don't even like to, you don't even need to like your life to get it off your mind and get present. 
Mm. You know, so I, I'm not into the the rah rah. You know, I'm not a motivational speaker. In other words, <laughs> you know, I sleep as I sleep as long as I can. Uh, I, you know, I'm a lazy guy, um, but I am very much into people being in that there's a whole lot of improvement to your life and development of your life that happens when you stop playing victim and start stop complaining. Yeah, fantastic. Right. I guess just to, to finish up, is uh, is there anything you want to leave us with and then where can people find more about you and the, and the getting things done methodology and, and all those other things? Well, you know, come on, GTD in, in 60 seconds, right? Get any potentially meaningful thing out of your head, decide sooner than later exactly what it means, what you're going to do about it, if anything, park the results in some trusted place that you step back and look at and review on some regular basis and keep current with a trusted system so that you make confident choices about what you're doing instead of just hope that what you're doing is right. That's the whole methodology in and of mm-hmm. itself. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you want to find out more about it, read the book again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've had people read it 12 times. They say it's a totally different book every time you read it because I put the whole thing in there. Yeah, no, I didn't. That, that's sure. I wrote the I wrote the whole manual really yeah. about it, and you don't really need anything more than that. Just keep reviewing it, yeah, you know, and just keep reminding yourself of the next cut that you need to take, yeah. uh, you know, to get up to speed. Yeah. Phenomenal. And you can get in. You can get in touch with me. Gettingthingsdone.com yeah. is the website, and you'll see all of our global partners. We've really sort of shrunk ourselves so we could expand what we're doing. We've now partnered with people around the world to deliver the training around this and coaching around this. So. Uh, you know, wherever you are in the world hearing this, just go on uh, our site and look for global partners and you'll see lots of trainings, public seminars and things like that going on around the world. So that's what I'm doing now. Primarily is is supporting the network of our partners that are doing this. Yeah. Phenomenal. That's a fantastic way to end it. It's number three for me. I've read it three times now and I've gotten something new every time. So yeah, thank you so much. Me too. I pick up the book and just thumb through it sometimes. I go, that's really good. Oh, I wrote that. Oh, God, yeah, I ought to do that. (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks so much, David. Hey, guys. Adam and Adam here just reminding you of our competition we have going on. So you can win every single book that we read and review this season. So some absolute juggernauts. Three potential ways that you can win. Yep. So the first thing you can do is leave us a review on iTunes. The second is to fill out our survey at whatyouwillearn.com slash survey. And number three, just buy a, buy a book and send us an email of just showing that you bought a book. Yep. So we, uh, we, we love books. I hope you do too. You can win all these books for either yourself or to, to give away to people and change a few lives. Uh, basically, you can enter once or you can enter three times. Yep. Get stuck in.